Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The real Lord of the Flies. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. schoolmaster William Golding started writing Lord of the Flies in 1951, a fictional adventure tale of survival that quickly became a bestseller and a classic, something that's still read today, which makes sense because the themes are truly universal. Darkness and light, innocence and experience, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You get it. It's timeless. But the book is fiction, projection and speculation. If you want to know what really happens when school children get stranded on a desert island, Look no further than the six teenage schoolboys who were horrifically shipwrecked on the remote island of Atta, hundreds of miles from civilization, and what became of them before, after, and during their experience. Today, we're talking about the Tongan Lost Boys, the real story of the Lord of the Flies. I first read Lord of the Flies as probably a seventh grader, and it has always haunted me. If you haven't read it, I'm going to spend a minute telling you about it. So if you intend on reading it in the future, I guess skip ahead. I mean, it was written in like 1954, so it's hardly a spoiler. But again, fast forward if you don't want to hear about it. Lord of the Flies begins when a plane crashes on a desert island somewhere in the Pacific. The only survivors are a bunch of very pale British schoolboys who at first love their new lives. No rules, no parents. It's just them in tropical paradise. On the very first day, the boys create their own kind of democracy. Ralph, the athletic, charismatic, and handsome kid of the bunch, is naturally chosen as the leader, but not unanimously. Some of the choir boys don't know and like Ralph. They're led by this kiddie asshole named Jack and want him to rule the island. And yet Ralph, helped by his best friend Piggy, who wears glasses, maintains order and leadership. We'll get to the glasses part later. Ralph's regime is simple. Have fun, stay alive, make smoke signals with a fire so that the group gets rescued, And if you want to talk, you can hold a conch shell, which allows you to speak without interruption. Before long, the boys are hunting, painting their faces, going naked and getting urges, violent urges, maybe even sexual ones. At least that's how my middle school self read it. Chaos ensues. The fire goes out, 
Boys Kill Pigs and the True Elements of Power, the conch and piggy's glasses, which were used to start the fires, are held captive by the choir boy faction led by Jack. Jack and his choir boys become the new violent leaders and kill Piggy for his glasses, and Ralph runs away, only to find himself at the feet of an adult on the island, a British naval officer. I should have thought, the officer says, that a pack of British boys would have been able to put up a better show than that. Ralph shakes his head, sad and humiliated. As the book concludes, the reader reads, Ralph wept for the end of innocence and for the darkness of man's heart. But that's not exactly how it would work in real life. How do we know this? Because six boys actually did get deserted on an island, and honestly, it was horrifying, but not quite as Golding imagined it. In 1966, a fisherman named Peter Warner took a detour from his fishing routes to Atta, a deserted island which had once been inhabited by natives until they were kidnapped and sold by European slave traders in the 1860s. I cannot emphasize to you how remote this island is. Even to native Tongans and Fijians, it's a place of myth. Ata means reflection in Tongan. According to legend, Ata and another island called Iwa were the first islands hauled up from the bottom of the sea by the mythical Tongan Maui brothers, the eldest, Maui Atalanga, and the younger, Maui Kisakisi. It originally had seven hills, but the brothers stamped on the highest mountain until it was flattened into its surrounding valleys. Soon, only three hills were left, and the Maui brothers got tired and left. With the following islands they hauled up from the deep ocean, they were careful to keep flat the following islands that they hauled up from the deep ocean. From there, the powerful deity Laufak Anaha, god of the winds, ruled Atta. And again, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing these names, doing the best I can, happy for corrections. But let's get back to Peter Warner. Peter Warner was born the youngest son of Arthur Warner, the CEO of Electronic Industries, cool name, one of the richest and most powerful men in Australia. Peter had been groomed to follow his father's footsteps, but at the age of 17, he decided to do something a little less corporate, like running away to sea. He spent the next five years sailing the world, and when he finally returned to Australia, he proudly showed his dad his Swedish captain's certificate. Warner Sr. was not impressed and demanded his son cut the shit and go to accounting school. Peter Warner acquiesced to his dad and went to accounting school for five years. Then he worked for his dad for a while, but realized it really, truly wasn't who he was. Warner quit it all, bought his own fishing fleet, and moved to Tonga in 1966. Peter was going to meet with the King of Tonga, His Majesty Taufa'ahau Tupau IV, to ask permission to trap lobster in Tongan waters. He was refused this privilege and headed back towards Tasmania, but on the way he took a detour to cast his nets. And that's when he saw Atta, rolled up, and immediately was very confused. Through his binoculars, he saw a strange sight for such a remote island. Warner witnessed fires on the cliff sides. Quote, in the tropics, it's unusual for fires to start spontaneously, in an interview almost 50 years later. So I decided to investigate. As his boat approached the western tip of the island, Peter heard a shout from the crow's nest. Someone's calling, yelled one of his men. Peter Warner could not believe his eyes. A naked boy with hair down to his shoulders swam out to his boat, and other boys followed. Peter ordered his crew to load up their guns, remembering a Polynesian custom of dumping dangerous criminals on remote islands. Tense, the first boy swam closer, introducing himself as Stephen. Stephen indicated that there were more boys, and that, quote, We reckon we've been here 15 months. Stephen explained that himself, Mano, Sion, Colo, David, and Luke, all between the ages of 13 and 16, had been students at a Catholic boarding school in Nukualofa, the capital of Tonga. They were sick of their school lunches, so they stole a fishing boat and got caught in a storm. Warner was like, what? He did not believe this. 
Using his two-way radio, he called in to Nikua Lofa. I've got six kids here, he told the operator. If I give you their names, can you telephone the school to find out if their pupils there? Stand by, came the response. After 20 long minutes, the operator came back on the radio. Tearfully, they said, you found them. These boys had been given up for dead. Funerals have been held. If it's them, this is a miracle. Let's take a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, hello. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? You doing good? I see a lot of collective yeses. Oh, that's good. That's better I, I than feel usual. It. I feel it. I sense it. A lot of collective All yeses. Right. No and June one no. For you. One no. One no. Oh, that's me. Okay. <laughs> that's your heart? Yeah, it's your my, own heart. my heart's speaking. Oh. Want to just check in, see how everyone's doing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the good word. Thank you very much. For just getting up on that mountain and saying, hey. And shouting. Listen to Ghost Town, and they're like, no, we'd rather do something else. And you're like, okay. And then you just tumble down the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and not just not just figuratively, literally. Yeah, truly. That's really hard. That's life, baby. That sucks. We want to say hello to our government. Of course. Cannot wait to check in with our government. Ooh, of course we do. Rock the vote. <laughs> what year is it? I don't know. I think oh. it's 1993 yeah. or 1986. I don't know what I year I mean, it 2003 is. tops. We want to say hello to the mayor. Front and center. That's right. Dar Rosenzweig. Hello. David Bull. Hi. James Harrington. Hi. Ashley Matson. Hi. Kat Josell. Hello. And our mayor. Our mayor. Our mayor. Our mayor for us and for everyone. Our John Mayor. Oh. You like that? No. Okay. Not fair. really. I don't like it at all. All right. Well, it's. Uh... I- I'm, you know, if I'm more of like a. If it was Jason Mraz. <laughs> okay, cool. That's cool, my cool. counterpart. You don't like uh, Dead & Co. You don't like the, one of the greatest living guitar players of all time. No. You like fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> I like San Diego and fedoras a little bit more. Fair, fair, fair. All On right. that note, yes. our mayor, Avian Noble, Noble, if you want. Bonus episodes, ad-free, no chit-chat. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Now, I've been looking forward to venting. <laughs> oh, no. I've actually been looking forward to, I don't know, like just, you ever just do things and you're just like, 
I like being mad. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I want to be mad. Just it's for literally <laughs> the reason I do most things. Right, we got two reviews here. Okay. Okay. Uh, one is worse than the next. Okay, great. This one is mm, three stars, mm. which is, yeah, exactly. A yummy like, three stars? No, I'd be like, oh, mm. uh. like, it's like, oh, it's filling. It's not like, mm, three stars. It's like, mm. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Okay. I've now listened to eight episodes and I enjoy the subject matter, but when the hosts go to a break, when they come back, it's five minutes of jabber. Maybe come back from the break and say, now on with the story. Then after the story, thank everyone and jabber all you want. Permission granted. I mean, I, I, I editorialized that. Yeah, yeah. Not in the middle. I really want to like slash binge this podcast while I work, but I can't take the long pause and conversation in the middle. Mm. So the jabber is part of the break. Let's put that out there. Yeah. The jabber and any advertising that happens in the middle, that is the, this is the break. Mm-hmm. This is, you're this in is the break. break. You're in it right now. Have you're you ever gone to work? It. Like you're at work and you work, 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 work. And then you're like, oh, let's take a break. Mm-hmm. It's not do more work. It's mm-hmm. like water cooler talk. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's shorter. Would you rather have it like this? I was listening to a podcast the other day where it was like three ads right in the beginning. Right after the cold open, you're getting momentum you want to get into. Is that what you want, people? You don't want that. And the reason they're doing that is they got you hooked. You're they in got there already. You. And there's chances are you, that's just the that's the politics and the advertising nature of this. I get it. I don't get mad at it. It's part of the thing. Mm-hmm. It's things take time. If time is money, if if people value their time, it's the nature of it. Do it I is. love it? Not necessarily, but I don't get mad at it personally because do I get annoyed sometimes? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It sometimes I don't mind. Sometimes I do mind. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't this dumb ad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like it, and I yeah. won't. And, and I. Get pretty good at fast forwarding. I think podcasts and keep this in mind. Podcasts have been around for a a decent amount of time to kind Mm -hmm. of know the ins and outs of it and the structure. So the reason we don't have it at the end after we're allowed to say thank you Mm -hmm. is because no one's going to be listening. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's be realistic. I mean, come on. That's why. And I understand what you're saying, but just press the fast forward button one or two more times. Mm -hmm. I know for a free product, that's tough. (laughs) <laughs> to press that button. Damn. You don't press many buttons wow. in a day. You're like, I only press five buttons a day. <laughs> and Damn. I don't want an extra one. I haven't even gotten to the one. That's, this is the good one. Whoa, you already fired the fuck oh, up. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this one. Okay, okay. Let's hear it. I'm looking forward to this one. So that one is from Tabby Stone, USNA. Again, that one is, and it's a fair yeah. suggestion. I get that. Sure. I guarantee a lot of the podcasts, the popular podcasts you love, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do it exactly they want to do it. Mm-hmm. And you really can't, you can complain to them, but are they going to respond? No. no. Will we? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop the banter. One star. Uh-oh. We, keep on, we, they're speaking for everybody. Oh, or is this a couple's account? Maybe. We came here to hear about ghost towns. Instead, 50% of the podcast is just you two chatting. Either change the podcast to one about you just two hanging out and chatting, or actually do the podcast you led us to believe we were going to be hearing, Your Honor. I'm editorializing. <laughs> ETA. I don't know. It's, I don't think it's meant to be ETA. Estimated time of arrival. Again, they made us. They might must have made et cetera, or or kind of uh, PS postscript. Okay. So listen, that's a common mistake. But the fact that you're Is criticizing it? us, yeah, you know, you don't get the break somebody else. Does. Exactly. ETA. You don't. Yeah. Exactly. Enter, estimated time of arrival. After skipping through the latest full-length episode, I hear you only want to give people no chit-chat if they pay for it. Gross. 
let me start by saying, <laughs> okay, do you speak for everybody? We never led anyone to believe this has been around for four over four years now. How many episodes are about ghost towns? Mm-hmm. Very few. There's like we're going like on 400 episodes. I have a news flash. I have an ETA for you, and that is there's not that many ghost towns that are interesting out there. No, if, I mean unless you want to talk for because it's literally just that. Yeah. And so the fact that you thought that totally understandable. There's mm-hmm. a lot of podcast names out there. You're like, oh, this isn't exactly. I mean, there's a podcast out there called The Dollop. Very yeah. popular one. It's like history. But yeah. It's not about ice cream. No. Well, I want to hear about dollops of <laughs> sour cream. I want to hear about. And listen, I understand. Uh-huh. I understand when people are like, oh, I, I want to only hear about ghost towns. You should know pretty quickly. You shouldn't have to. You could just scroll for like a second and know this is not about ghost towns. Yeah. And move on. And I get yeah. that. But don't get mad when you're like, well, I'm going to listen anyway about a weird pizza hut <laughs> or a true crime and it's not a ghost town. That's on uh-huh. you at that point. Yeah. The part that really gets me upset is when they – do not contextualize when they say you only want to give no chit chat for people that pay. Mm. That's not true. It's ad free and no chit chat. Yeah. Now, if you think we're the very first podcast that has an <laughs> ad free option, maybe this is your very first podcast. Maybe this is the first time you've pressed a button on the internet. I'm really mm-hmm. into button pressing. Yeah, you're really you're I mean, I like this heated version of you. We have a tranquil story of boys getting shipwrecked, and now we get to Jason. They just, think they have problems? Yeah. Oh, have they ever got a bad oh. review <laughs> on a podcast? That's no, right, I right. don't think so. So by you putting that, you're misrepresenting this. You know it. Mm-hmm. And if you think that's gross, when you go to work or when you do something, and when it comes time to get the check, do you say, no, that's gross. I don't want to take money for time and effort spent. Mm-hmm. So- like this, if you think we're making a lot of money on this podcast, <laughs> you're sorely mistaken. I wish I could tell you it was something different. <laughs> I really wish I could, but it's not. And that's just the way it is. And yeah. that's totally fine. We love talking about what we talk about. The reason Ghost Town has covers a lot of different, like kind of darkish subjects is because we can keep it interesting for us mm-hmm. and hopefully people that are listening. And even more importantly for us. Yeah. You're also acting as if we uh, are not owed any compensation and just need to deliver the goods to you the as way you, you want like it. it. No, exactly. Exactly. As the if way you... we don't pour over this, as if this isn't like a another full-time job <laughs> that like we don't get paid adequately for. <laughs> so when you say it's gross to have no, – and you're leaving out the ads part, which is yeah. convenient. So that's the first <laughs> thing I say. And you think that's gross – I wonder if – I know you listen to other podcasts that have an ad-free option, probably have a lot more ads. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's just the na- you know that's just the nature of the thing. They realize they listen to metrics and like we can fit this amount many ads in, and it's not just in the middle. It's yeah. like you said after the intro. Totally. Then we'll sneak it in, and you know they put a lot of production and time in, and whatever it takes. And they're they're basically corporations. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we say hey for two dollars a month, eight episodes by the way mm-hmm. in that month for an ad free and no chit chat option, and there are people that say I like the chit chat. Yeah. So I know you're saying we because you think you speak for everybody and maybe that's just your personality, (laughs) but you don't speak for everybody. What about the person that says, I like the chit chat? So then now you're negated. Do you see how that that works? So Mm -hmm. when you kind of posture this as we're saying like, oh, we're holding you hostage Mm. or whatever, that's the nature of the podcasting world that has been out now. Like it's been a pretty solid model for a long – it's not like a new fringe thing. You know, you're – purposely omitting things to make it seem like 
you know, it's you've like, been done wrong. It's like, oh, hey, uh, can you give? We want some conflict full diamonds. We want to buy some <laughs> conflict full diamonds. So give us uh, two dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's what the like the low end tier is. Yeah. To to have ad free. Try. I mean, maybe you think this isn't as valuable as some of the other bigger podcasts, and you're. I mean, you're an elitist because you think like <laughs> I should get this for free, and it's disgusting the way you spend time <laughs> and money on something, and you want something for it <laughs> should we be should i be paying you every time you listen to it i mean listen would i do that i mean i don't know i also want to apologize to everyone who's listening to <laughs> we went we dug in deep on this guy because i think it's really unfair to yeah leave a public comment and and purposely omit things that's unfair if you said ads and chit chat and it's gross that's different because at least then people can be like well i mean advertising is I mean, I don't know. Do you get mad when you watch t- in the history of television or you go to a movie and there's a trailer? Do you just mm-hmm. yell gross? All I mean, you must yell. Do you see a, a billboard? And you're like, gross, gross, gross. That's gross. <laughs> this is gross. Everything's gross. Or, or are you like, well, it's like a corporate, big corporate thing with like celebrities. So I don't mind. Mm-hmm. So you are an elitist by this mm-hmm. comment, I feel like. Yeah. And if you're a first time listener... I usually don't talk this long. No, about no, anything. this is uh, this, this is probably unprecedented. This, this is, is the most fired up I've seen you in a very long time. I take it. I, I take it. I, I feel like it's a, an affront on on both yeah. of us, and I'm very, very defensive. And most of the time, when people leave bad comments, I'm like, "That's a fair." I'm always kind of like, "I yeah. get it." I mean, that's like a fair thing. But when you're misrepresenting what we do to make us look bad, gaslighting, maybe you know, mm. I thought a word in there. Yeah, why not? Mm. Then and you know what you're doing and that my friend that's gross. Whoa! And this has been the gross report with Jason Horton. Oh <laughs> whoa! I feel grossed out. There's a third comment. <laughs> Three hundred eleven stars. Jason is hot. Whoa! I'm not even bother saying nothing about me. Damn. Not this time. No. Damn. No, no, no. Well, but that okay. is from Solitary Bean. That's real. Yeah, that was <laughs> no, 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 no. This is. <laughs> That's from Stop the Stop the Banter uh, oh, okay. Crusade. Got um, it, got it. From the US and A. But oh. thank you for listening and thank you for the review. You You're are still being gracious wrong. and you, thanking them. You are wrong, but uh, I hope it, it gave you something that you were looking for that day and it made, made me feel a little bit better. And I'm glad we were able to give that to you for free. Okay, well, anyway, on that note, let's get back to June of 1965. Take, take me back, take me back to, a, to, to a fun, deserted island. Yeah, let's do. Let's get you into a more relaxed zone, a shipwreck, shall we? So in June 1965, for decades, people have been trying to construct what exactly happened to Stephen, Mano, Sion, Colo, David, and Luke on that island. But again, I'm, I'm no different. Here's what I've pieced together with special thanks to journalist Rutger Bregman, specifically, who I take a lot of information, a lot of interviews from for this episode. In June of 1965, Luke Vikosua, Tevita Siola'a, Kolo Fekitoa, and Mano Toteo were all students at St. Andrews, a strict Catholic boarding school in Nukualofa. And again, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing these names wrong. I tried to practice a little bit. Please correct me if you know better, and I'm sure you do. The oldest was 16, the youngest 13, and they had one main thing in common. They hated school and loved adventure, specifically at sea. So they came up with a plan to escape to Fiji, which was about 500 miles away, or maybe all the way even to New Zealand to create a life at sea instead of at school. Lots of other kids at school knew about it, Mano recalled. 
but they all thought it was a joke. Because none of them owned a boat, I mean, they were kids, they decided to borrow one from a fisherman that they all actively disliked named Taniella Uhila. They brought two sacks of bananas, coconuts, and a small gas burner with them and headed out. I know what you're thinking. No, they didn't bring a map or a compass. It just didn't occur to them. And surprisingly, not one of them were good with boats. Only the 13-year-old, yes, the 13-year-old David, even knew how to steer, which according to him was, quote, why they wanted me to come along. That night, the night that they left with a stolen boat, the six of them fell asleep. A few hours later, they woke up to a horrible storm. The wind tore the sail to shreds and the rudder broke. The boys drifted for eight days without any extra food or water than what they had brung. They tried to catch fish, but weren't so lucky. They were able to survive by collecting rainwater in a hollowed-out coconut shell and rationing the water, each getting just one sip of water in the morning and another in the evening. One boy, Sion, tried boiling seawater on the gas burner, but it tipped over and burned a large part of his leg. On day eight, they spotted Atta. But just so you know, Atta isn't like a tropical island paradise with sand and trees and beaches. Like the legend reflects, it's mostly just a giant rock jutting up more than a thousand feet out of the ocean and was widely considered to be unlivable for hundreds and hundreds of years. The boys had drifted more than a hundred miles off course and landed on the uninhabited island of Atta. The boat eventually crashed onto Atta's rocky shore and shattered as the boys scrambled to safety on land. Mano remembers... Quote, when I reached shore, I tried to stand up, but when I stand up, the whole world is spinning. So I laid down and crawl ashore, and when I touch the grass, then I lie down. The first night on the island, Stephen, later who became an engineer, attempted to start a fire. The flame did not go out for more than a year, the boys working so hard to keep it lit in hopes of rescue. The kids then realized that they had to work together, or they would die. In teams of two, they would rotate jobs, gardening, making food, and guard duty. If they fought, the parties in question would separate for at least four hours, going into a timeout, and then coming together and apologizing for what they said and what they did. The boys lived on wild birds, fish, and taro root. They captured feral chickens and found bananas from trees that were cultivated on the island before, like I said, and want to emphasize, it was completely evacuated a hundred years prior. They captured rainwater using hollowed-out logs, and when they ran out of water, they drank blood from seabirds. The boys' days began and ended with singing and prayers. Colo fashioned a makeshift guitar from driftwood, half a coconut shell, and six steel wires salvaged from the wrecked boat, an instrument Peter has kept all of these years, and played it every day to keep the boys' spirits up in the heat, the hunger, the hopelessness, and the feeling that they would all die on this giant rock of an island. One day, Stephen slipped and fell off a cliff, breaking his leg. The other boys went down the cliff to find him and helped him back to camp, then together set his leg using sticks and leaves, like little doctors. <laughs> As if that wasn't heartwarming enough, the other boys did Stephen's work while his leg set and literally healed and tended to him so that he could eventually walk again. Instead of a dystopia, it was extremely functional. And when the boys were finally rescued on Sunday, September 11th, 1966, they were in pretty good physical health, albeit very mentally broken. By the time we arrived, Peter Warner wrote in his memoirs, these young teenagers had set up a small commune with food garden, hollowed out tree trunks to store rainwater, a gymnasium with curious weights, a badminton court, chicken pens, and a permanent fire, all from handiwork, an old knife blade, and much determination. When Warner and the six castaways arrived back in the next biggest city, Nukualofa, they didn't find a hero's welcome. Instead, police immediately boarded Warner's boat, arrested the boys, and threw them in prison. Taniela Uhila, 
whose sailing boat the boys had borrowed 15 months earlier, had heard the boys had been rescued and was furious, deciding to press charges. Fortunately for the boys, Peter Warner was, like his father before him, extremely enterprising. It occurred to him that people would be interested in the boys' dramatic shipwreck story, maybe even for a movie. So Warner called up the manager of Channel 7 News in Sydney. Quote, you can have the Australian rights, he told them. Give me the world rights. Then we'll spring these kids out of prison and take them back to the island. Next, Warner went to see Taniela Uhila, paying him 150 pounds for his boat, that's about 187 American dollars, and got each of the boys released on the condition that they would cooperate with a TV documentary and whatever movie might transpire. They immediately agreed. The mood when Warner and the boys returned to their families in Tonga was much different than when they got back to Nukualofa. Almost the entire island of Ha'afeva, where most of the boys were from, and with a population of 900, had shown up on the shore to welcome the boys home. Sian's mother actually swam out to the boat to see her son. She was so beside herself with joy. Warner said, quote, The whole population of this little island were on the beach, hugging the boys. Parents were crying. Then the party started. Six days of feasting. This almost week-long party included lobster, and Peter Warner was hooked. I can relate. So much so that after the rescue, he received a personal message from Taufa Ahau Taupu IV himself, inviting the captain to visit him. Thank you for rescuing six of my subject, his royal highness said. Now, is there anything I can do for you? Hmm. Warner knew what he wanted. Quote, yes, I would like to trap lobster in these waters and start a business here. This time, the king said, okay. Warner started a lobster boat business and invited the six boys to work for him, and they accepted. Warner hired Sion, Stephen, Colo, David, Luke, and Mano as the crew of his new fishing boat, the Atta. Also, incredibly, eight years later, Peter Warner was involved in a rescue of another group of castaways after he came across four sailors who had been shipwrecked on a remote reef in the Tasman Sea. The crewman who sighted their distress flashes from a mirror was the one and only Sion Totau, still working full-time as a deckhand on Warner's ship. Now, not everything about this story is so heartwarming, and I think I know what you're thinking. While this is a very captivating story, Warner's part, and maybe the part of the media as a whole, feels somewhat suspicious, maybe even exploitative? Warner was a white guy from money rescuing a group of Tongan schoolchildren it all certainly feels very colonial, maybe nefarious. Warner had movie rights to the boy's story and wrote three books of memoirs, the second of which, called Oceans of Light, 30 Years in Tonga and the Pacific, in 2016, details his encounter at Atta, which of course he profited from. But if you ask Mano Totau, he would staunchly disagree with all of this. Quote, I know a lot of people say to me things about Mr. Warner makes a lot of money from our story. Who cares, he says. If no Mr. Warner, we never survive. If no Mr. Warner, we won't be here to tell our story. If Mr. Warner makes some money from it, good luck for him. That's my opinion. I would tell everybody, please shut up. Mano and Peter Warner became best friends, living together on a banana plantation until Warner died in April of 2021. Shortly after their rescue, the team from Channel 7 Sydney filmed a very bad documentary about the boys, which Warner also profited from. And even the fantastic reporter and author who I based a lot of this research on for this episode, Rutger Bregman, wrote a book about the whole thing and penned a seven-figure deal with New Regency to adapt his article and book into a movie. 
and even me, <laughs> researching this episode has a hand in using these boys' stories for my own gain for this podcast. It's a thin line between communicating and sharing stories and profiting off of them. But lucky for you, this podcast is largely unsuccessful. So in our case, there's not a lot on the line. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.